There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the podcast today. It's Evangelist Tim McVeigh. We certainly thank for each and every one of you listening. Uh, due to some problems we've had with the audio equipment, we're going to use a recording. We preach in Akron, New York, back in the month of October, and we're going to have three parts the rest of this week. I do hope it's a blessing. Pray for the service there in Moxville, North Carolina. We're at the Living Waters Baptist Church. We're here tonight, tomorrow night, and Friday night here at the church, and that's at 6 o'clock each night. I pray this is a blessing to you. I pray this message is a help to each and every one of you that listen. Acts 13. I mentioned this earlier, of course, it's the first message that Paul preaches in his earthly ministry. You say, Paul has a heavenly ministry? Well, he does now. But this is his earthly ministry. And I'm just biding my time in my earthly ministry. Amen. My ministry is going to be to praise the name of Jesus Christ for all of eternity. So I'd like to get started now. And so I try to practice that even now. But you see this at the beginning of Acts 13, of course, in verse 16. I want you to notice the strength here. But Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give audience. So he's saying, hey, listen. Give audience. Take heed to these words I'm going to speak. Open your ears to hear. The amazing thing about Paul, we go back, let's go back a couple places. Let's go to Acts 2 again, in verse 37. And he said, now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. Acts chapter 5, and verse 32, Peter preaches again. And we are his witnesses of these things, and so also is the Holy Ghost, whom God hath given to them that obey him. Verse 33 of Acts 5. When they heard that, they were cut to the heart, and took counsel to slay them. So they were pricked in the heart. They were cut to the heart. The book of Acts in chapter 7 and verse 54. This is, of course, the great message of Stephen, as Stephen preaches, the only recorded message of Stephen. It says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and gnashed on him, with their teeth. What was the message each time? Jesus Christ, that Holy One of God, died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, being buried and resurrected according to the Scriptures, and each time they were pricked or cut to the heart, it was the resurrection of that man that they had seen in this earthly ministry. And the Apostle Paul was one born out of due time, had seen the Lord Jesus Christ. In his earthly ministry. They saw him, recognized him. Now, 
Peter tells them twice. Stephen tells them, this is that man whom you slew. Yet you still do not believe. They were pricked in the heart, cut to the heart, again cut to the heart. Let's look at Acts chapter 9. In verse 3, speaking of Saul here, and as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven, and he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, who art thou? And then he answered his own question, Lord. He knew who he was. And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick well, against the pricks. Right. Amen. What pricked Saul? Well, he was standing by consenting unto the death of Stephen at his stoning. He's in the congregation. I believe it was probably, and I can't prove this, most likely they're at Pentecost when they were pricked in the heart. He's been looking at Jesus Christ from afar off. He's been persecuting the church because of his own beliefs. He's injurious, but it's pricked him in the heart. That conviction, that manner of this is hurting me physically. This is something I'm uncomfortable with because I've not re reconciled my life to his life. He tells us hard for to kick against the pricks. What happens when the Lord spoke that he trembled, trembling and astonished, said again, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Apostle Paul, of course, this is his conversion. God reveals himself to Paul. God pulls him aside for the strength at the time of strengthening of ministry. He couldn't fight against the pricks anymore. He couldn't kick against the pricks. It was the word of God that cut him to the heart. We go fast forward a little to Acts 13, our text. Now he is standing, he is beckoning. And he says, give audience. Why? He's going to speak the very words that have pricked him in the heart. The very words that have cut him to the heart. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt. With a high arm brought he them out of it. And about the time of 40 years, suffering their manners in the wilderness... And when he destroyed seven nations, the land of Canaan, he divided their land to them by law. And after he gave unto them judges about the space of 400 years, this is Israel's history, 450 years until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave unto them Saul the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man of after mine own heart, who will do all my will. Now you say, what did David have to do to be in the will of God? Well, he had to obey God. But God knew he was a man after God's own heart. He would do what God wanted him to do. If you look at the life of David, I won't get into this too much this afternoon, but you look at the life of David, his life was a series of roadblocks, obstacles, oppression, rather fleeing, hiding, seeking his life. Much of his life was that. But it was God's will for him to go through those things. 
It was God's will for him to go to the cave. And I probably won't deal with it this week, but I went back uh, kind of several months ago and I looked at all those places in the Psalms where David was on the run, when he's in the cave, when he's in the wilderness, when he's fleeing, when he's feigning madness. Look at all those places where David is fleeing from his adversaries, fleeing from his enemies. And then finally, the great Psalm of all, Psalm 18, he has found rest. After fleeing from Saul and all of his enemies, God gave him rest. He's finally king, and he opens his mouth and prophesies the greatest psalm probably ever written, Psalm 18, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Yet he was going to do the will of God. But here's why it was in his will to do it. Of this man's seed of God, according to the promise, raised up unto Israel a Savior, Jesus. That's what Peter had preached. When John had first preached, before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. Take a time, I'm going to go down through some of this and just go down to verse 30 and simply say this, but God raised him from the dead. And it was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who were his witnesses unto the people, and we declare unto you glad tidings how the promise which was made unto the fathers, God has fulfilled the same unto us, their children, and that he hath, again, continually, he's a resurrected, he's alive, he hath raised up Jesus again. As it is also written in the second psalm, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Then he quotes Psalm 49, and you don't have to look at that, but you could maybe make a notation if you're a note taker. But Psalm 49 tells you what the Word of God says in verse 9. Well, sort of like in verse 7. None of them could by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. And the Word of God tells us then that for the redemption of their soul is precious and ceases forever, that he should live, still live forever and not see corruption. And so we see Jesus Christ is raised from the dead. He's been seen of them. Thou art my beloved son, or thou my son, this day if I begotten thee, and as concerned they raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. Jesus Christ was incorruptible. Now, what I want to deal with a little bit, just, just for a few moments right here, we see that he would not return to corruption. We saw where Peter was said, I will not leave my soul in hell, speaking in the first person, the Spirit of Christ, neither would thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So why does it say in verse 34, now no more to return to corruption? Well, there's twofold resurrection of Jesus Christ. His soul's been offered, his body's in the grave. Both must resurrect. That's the promise of God. One has seen corruption. Why? Because of our sin. Because of our violence, he's been made sin for us. The other saw no corruption. That's the body of Jesus Christ, the body of God. That's God's flesh. He said, I will give you the sure mercies of David. Wherefore, he says also in another psalm, we read this this morning, thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. So again, that holy one of God, that body of Jesus Christ, his soul has seen corruption. It's become you and I. It's been made sin. He bears in his bodies all of our sins, all of our transgression. He's seen corruption. But his body saw no corruption. 
Now, I want to just take a couple of verses here just quickly and look at this. Let's go back to Psalm 9. Let's look at that incorruption of the flesh of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 9, the chief musician upon Methlebed, the Psalm of David, I will praise thee, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will show forth all thy marvelous works. I will be glad and rejoice in thee. I will sing praise to thy name, O thou most high. And then he said, when mine enemies are turned back, they fall and perish at thy presence. For thou maintainest my right and my cause. Thou satest in the throne, judging right. When mine enemies turn and fall back. Then Psalm 27, he gives an understanding of those enemies And he gives us clarity of those enemies. And really, this is what it boils down to, is the body of Jesus Christ, that holy one of God, God's flesh. You see, he was made to be sin for us, which knew no sin. Jesus Christ never sinned. I'll look at another place here in just a moment. But let's look at in Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, we've been preaching all day on the glory that should follow. When the wicked, even my enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Now, what is that flesh? Flesh is a body. In Scripture, flesh is always bodily. The Apostle Paul said, my flesh, that isn't me, by the way, my flesh dwelleth no good thing. It's in your body. So he said, when the enemies and foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Why? That's God's body. That's Jesus Christ. David told us he would not see corruption. That holy one would not see corruption. The body of Jesus Christ would have no... Lazarus was four days in the grave, and what did they say? Surely by now he stinketh. Corruption, death, bacteria, worms, infection. When you die, when my stepfather passed away, they donated his body to science because of his, uh, he had a seizure disorder and he wanted to donate his brain to the University of Maryland. And so when he passed away, we had to call a number and they came and they brought the body bags and the gurney, but we had to wait hours. And they said, you know, if you get to the six hour mark, you're going to want to open the windows and put a fan in the windows. And If they don't come within the first 12 hours, you might want to get some ice bags and put ice on his body just to keep the smell down within 12 hours. But not Jesus Christ. That was God's body. He was raised incorruptible. That's why the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, he goes through those things that that which was corruptible, that which is incorruptible, that which is Mortal, that which is immortal. We see those things, understanding of our own mortality. Yet in Christ, we're raised incorruptible. In Christ, we're raised immortal. Why? Because Jesus Christ's body went to the grave without corruption. He never stunk. The worms couldn't touch him. The bacteria couldn't touch him. They could not eat up his flesh. If you see my... Relatives today that have been buried, the longer they're buried, the worse off their body becomes. Why? It's mortal. It's dead. But not God's body. That was Jesus Christ. That's when he came out of that grave, he came out of that grave incorruptible. His flesh never saw corruption. He was the Holy One of God. It had to be so. Or the Word of God would be invalid. 
But he saw no corruption, though he tasted death for every man. His body's put in a tomb. He came up incorruptible. Verse 3, though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear, though war should rise against me, and this will I be confident. Let's go to Psalm 18. Why was Jesus Christ incorruptible? Why was his body incorruptible? There's a lost soul who's tired of his sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption draweth nigh. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed.